This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Thanks very much for joining us today, ladies and gentlemen, and you join us uh, for the next episode of Cafe Connect. So Cafe Connect is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen, by the Public Engagement with Research Unit here. And in this podcast series, we're really looking to meet different researchers who are going to talk about the research and talk about how it impacts on our everyday lives. And this series is something of a response to the current social distancing guidelines and so normally at a, a cafe we would encourage people to you know ask questions of the, the speaker afterwards and we would really hope that you would like to do that as well and we would encourage you after you listen this listen to this to email us in questions to peru that's p-e-r-u at abdn.ac.uk but i'll read that out again at the end and today I'm very happy to be joined by my colleague, Professor Donald Hislop. So Donald is a, has got a personal chair in the business school at the University of Aberdeen. I think specifically the, the wonderful title for the, the, the professorial chair, Donald, is Sociology of Work and Technology. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So really, what, what does this mean? What are the, the main areas that you research? Um, well... My, my research interest, my, my background disciplinary is sociology. Um, so I, I try to look at technology from a sociological point of view. So that means how do people make sense of technology? How do people adapt and use technology? So it's, it's understanding the impacts of technology on people and how the role that people play in de- designing it, using it, etc. And if you look at technology like that, um, you know, people have a very significant role in, you know, users, designers, etc. have a very significant role in shaping how technology look, what it looks like and how it operates, etc. Yeah, I mean, obviously technology is, is, is generated for people, isn't it? I mean, we are the users, we are the, the creators, but are we often a sort of a last thought in a process from a designer or... Yes, I mean, that's probably one of the there's a big criticisms that designers don't adequately take account of users or they, they don't adequately communicate with users when they're designing things you know that's a sort of afterthought um, often so yes that's not done adequately okay fair enough so i mean i guess right now with the the the, the current impact of covid19 with the, the huge upsurge in, in home working i mean this has become so relevant really now to everybody i mean obviously technology has been increasing it's been encroaching into everyday life I, I will say her name gently but I think we have four or five Alexas round about the house controlling various aspects of our our, our, our house and our heating and our lighting you know? yeah, yeah okay well I I mean in terms of specific technologies I my focus has evolved I've really been looking at this topic for maybe 20 years it seems quite scary to to think of it like that but um over the over that time period I've looked at I've looked at home working and teleworking. Um, I've looked at mobile working, so business travel specifically. I had a research grant to look at business travel and how do people work when they travel. So people sitting on trains with laptops and working in tr- railway stations, etc. And in the last couple of years, linking to your comment about Alexa, the last couple of years I've been looking at the impact of AI on work. Um, but the the topic of homeworking has become probably the most relevant of my research interest just in the last few months with you know lockdown and COVID. Well, that I mean, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> we will both work for the University of Aberdeen, and well, I've I've been working for home for five months now. I guess the same for yourself, yeah. Yeah, but the 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 nature of homeworking 
has changed significantly. And this is some of the one of the key things the the research on home working or teleworking suggests that if you do it part time, maybe two days a week, three days a week, and you go into the office two days a week, that is the optimum balance because you can have some focused time at home, you can work on things, etc. But you also can go into the office, you can socialise. And usually the research suggests if you're home working permanently, that is not so ideal because you don't have the interaction with colleagues, isolation might be a problem, communication becomes difficult. So a, a lot of academics, me included, have been fortunate that I, my whole career I've worked at home some of the time, but typically two days a week or three days a week. So since March, it's been totally different permanent full-time home working with no opportunity to go to the office is a game changer for most people. That's not how most people have worked at all. No, absolutely. I mean, it would be fair to say that both my wife and I are in exactly the same boat. So my wife works for, you know, North East Scotland College. Incidentally, she's a business analyst, which I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to relate to. But, um, you know, we, we both suddenly found ourselves working from home, which was totally alien concept to us. And I guess so many people now find themselves in this boat. So this is, this is I guess, one of the big changes. And this, this is a change that it's been out there, but it's been kind of foisted upon us by the current situation, by by the arrival of COVID-19. But um, what are the ways, other ways in which, you know, work is, is changing and how, how is it going to change in the immediate future? Um, well, the increase in home working is probably the, the main one and, and, and kind of closely related to that is a reduction in business travel. I think business travel will be much less likely and I think COVID and home working has has made organisations question how much business travel people do. And that that has been a question they've been thinking about for years because of carbon footprint, yeah. cost of travel, but they haven't really addressed it. Perennially, business travel usually says, well, we'd like to reduce travel, but you can't beat a face-to-face -face meeting, so I have to go to Australia, etc. Now the debate has changed and people are now saying, really, I don't need to go to Australia. I can just do it by Teams or Skype, etc. So the debate on business travel has changed enormously. And I think maybe people are less, people are more reluctant to get on planes and businesses are more aware that we don't need to travel so much. You know, you can have you can have virtual meetings with many, many people. You know, you can have a big group of people from different locations all communicating and sharing documents and having face-to-face -face interaction. Okay, maybe it's not, you know, maybe people are not physically close together, but, you know, the quality of video technology these days means you can get a reasonable quality face-to-face -face interaction. That, that's, that's a completely fair point. And I think, you know, when you mentioned Teams here, even compared to five months ago, Teams has come on leaps and bounds as well. Yes. No, yeah. I, you know, they, I, mean, the, the, I mean, you can see a sort of technology war between, you know, the different platforms, you know, yeah. like between Zoom and Teams and Skype. And I think, I think Teams has adapted quite a lot because I think they've been maybe catching up with Zoom. One of the features that Zoom had was you had a... Um, a gallery with different you could see people much more easily on zoom you could have a gallery view with 20 faces and teams wasn't so good for that but teams has modified and now i think you can get a similar gallery view on teams so you can see 
10, 12 people in a team's meeting. Um, and, and just being able to see people face to face does seem to change communication. Absolutely. And of course, you can share files, you can have live versions of Excel spreadsheets, Word documents, it's, yeah, as well as the chat function. And yeah, it all yeah, it comes together. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, we've all sort of seen this. And this is something, as I say, you know, that, that COVID, COVID-19 is taking something that was already there and then kind of accelerated the change in this this case. I think that'd be fair. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, in terms of homeworking in general, um, if you go like the, the debate on homeworking or in America they call it telecommuting, home homeworking or teleworking or telecommuting, people have been talking about this since the nineteen seventies. You know when computers started to develop and you know and like in the nineteen seventies there was the oil crisis and they were trying to reduce travel and the price of petrol was going up. One of the puzzles for people looking at homeworking is. The adoption of homeworking, the widespread adoption of homeworking was never that significant. If you look pre-COVID, maybe 20% of workers regularly worked from home. And the technology made it possible for many, many more workers to work from home. But organisations have always been reluctant to let it happen. And maybe, maybe it's a trust issue, you know, giving workers autonomy to work from home. So... You know, from a homeworking point of view, you know, it's been underdeveloped, really. And COVID has forced companies to adopt it without choice. You know, like Aberdeen University, suddenly they shut the campus and we all became homeworkers within two weeks. You know, um, and the technology's always been there for probably 10, at least 10 years, the technology's been there. But companies have been reluctant to really properly engage with it. So you're right, there's there's an employer attitude there that kind of, you know, if, if we're going to give this licence, do you go and work from home? Are people going to, you know... Watch Neighbours Yeah, all absolutely. I'm not sure how long you can watch Neighbours for, but, you know, maybe some people have. But yeah, but then there's also the employee attitude to it as well. It's the kind of, can we trust this technology? Is this going to see us through? And now that we've actually done it for these couple of months, we can see that, well, as a whole, the broadband has, has held up. Wi-Fi has been good. And this is on 4G yeah. before we moved to 5G as well, well I guess. But we are, from an individual point of view, we're incredibly dependent on the technology. And um, to be honest, I almost, after the last two days, I've been having problems with my broadband. And I almost phoned you to, to reorganise this okay. because I, I, I actually I phoned up my broadband provider this morning and I actually got it sorted. I'm kind of looking at my router. Uh, so I've got the problem sorted. But for two days, I felt really frustrated because I've been in meetings and then the broadband hasn't worked yeah. and I've had to come out of meetings and rejoin. So home working's good when the technology works. Yeah. But... If you can't connect to your university server or if you can't connect to your Wi-Fi, you become incredibly challenged. You know, email is the default communication, yeah. email and video. And if we can't do that, it, it makes work problematic. So we're, we're very, individuals and companies are very dependent on the technology now. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, it's really highlighted this dependence that we have and, and how important these networks have become to us. And yeah. I guess, you know, maybe I, I touched on, on 5G there. I mean, is, is 5G something that will help with this moving forward, that kind of 
it's a kind of it's a, it's a, it's a different network altogether, isn't it? It's it's kind of all across. Is it? It's a kind of network that's always broadcasting. Is that right? I t- yeah. to be honest, I'm not massively. <laughs> uh, if you excuse, excuse the pun, I'm not up to speed with five G. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, but the the people who advocate it say it's it's faster, it's better. Etc. You know, and there is a degree of hype there. You know, the, the 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 providers of the technology want to tell you that this is infinitely better. Yeah. Um, so I, I assume it is better, faster, more reliable. Um, you know, because customers, workers are making more and more demands. Yeah. You know, because it's not just working at home. You know, families. You know, if you're in a family with three, four, you know, four people in the house, you may have. 10 devices connected to the Wi-Fi at the same time. You've got people working, you've got kids on laptops or on phones, or, you know, you may have one person simultaneously using three devices. So broadband speed has had to really increase enormously just due to the demand. Because of smartphones and tablets, etc., families are much more demanding of broadband. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah, it's a completely fair point. I as as I think about my house, we I think we've got three um, boosters for the Wi-Fi round about the house just to yeah, yeah, no. yeah, just to make sure that we're getting good signal everywhere. And yeah, yeah, and no. that, yeah, that underlines neatly no. the point you're making about how again this reliance and I'm living know. on my own, and it's, uh, right now I've got three separate devices connected to the Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, one person and the demands that they make, let alone yeah. Indeed. So yeah, and I guess there's 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 so much else that kind of falls out from this as well. There's the yeah, there's this this reliance on the technology that the fact that it needs to be there, it needs to work for us to be able to to access the systems. But also there's health and safety within all of this as well. I mean, we, you're right. We moved to home working really really quickly, and I think insurance has probably caught up with that as well. But I guess if if we are going to do this much. You know, much more into the future, as you as you say, if it's maybe fifty percent in the office, fifty percent at home, which a lot of companies are seem to be making noises about now. Then yeah, then health and safety policies are going to have to be adapted. I mean, is it the case that every single house is going to have to have a, a health and safety assessment, or is that just wildly unrealistic? Well, theoretically, they should. You know, that's like you know, like if you want to be really strict about the health and safety, then every employer should check out the facilities of every worker. Um, you know, when I when I started in Aberdeen, I, I got my office, I got my computer, and somebody from IT came up and they, they were looking at my office ergonomically and they you know they set up my desk and you know my screen height and etc. And they were thinking about health and safety. And they gave me health and safety advice. Now that I'm working at home all the time, I haven't had the same evaluation. Now you know that's just you know, I'm not trying to criticise my employer. You know, the, the challenge of doing that is enormous, but most people are working at home without kind of proper health and safety checks. You know, I, I'm sitting at a a dining room table just now. Sometimes I work in an armchair. Ergonomically, that's probably not the most ideal, but, you know, and one of the compromises, challenges is, People's homes might not be ideal for home working. You know, some people may be having to work in a kitchen table or working in a spare bedroom or working, sitting on their bed because they don't have an office space. And, you know, that's one that, you know, because we've had to rush into home working, 
people have been forced into it. You know, I've, I'm a manager for a, I'm a head of department, so I've had to, to check up on people's sort of well-being, and I've had various kind of meetings with people, and I can tell just by looking at their, the, the background to their team's video. You know, people are working in bedrooms and there's children about and there's toys everywhere. These are not ideal workspaces. And that's, this is true for most people that work, you know, our, our workspace at home is, is kind of compromised just now. We're, we're kind of making do, really. But in the long term, employers should do some sort of health and safety check or maybe there's some sort of self-assessment checklist they can give people i don't know yeah i think i think that's it that's the kind of the the, the middle ground really isn't it? it's just the self-assessment yeah. and uh, i mean to a certain extent of course the yeah i mean we, we've all been on teams meetings now where I've, I've seen people in a garden shed yeah you're right i've seen them in bedrooms i've seen yeah. them in effectively cupboards you know and um yeah yeah but this this is the response to the current situation you know it was uh, we had we, we, we all adapted as, as quickly as possible you know and, and you're right the university's actually been incredible supportive throughout this this sort of entire yeah, process absolutely but yeah it's it's the looking forward isn't it really isn't it? and then and, and, and yeah. what's what's going to happen there just on that on this on in terms of seeing people in their homes and whatever i i'm a sort of advocate of this i mean i i actually think it humanizes people more you know the the fact that we can see each other you know um it makes people look if kids walk into the room or if you hear somebody's spouse talking to them you know and you can see you know like furniture or whatever it, it, it makes people seem more human and it makes it more real that you know we you know I, to some extent i've had more insight into people's lives because of this than i ever did when i was in the office indeed yeah we, we all have different personas in different places don't we really and yeah you're right this is and maybe people sitting at home feel more inclined to be their natural, slightly more relaxed self than they would be necessarily in, in different circumstances. Maybe they feel more inclined to, to vocalise what it is that they want to say as well. You know, I mean, I must, I must say, I mean, just just to, to go kind of slightly off, um, the you know, here, uh, you know, I've obviously we've all been thinking about home working and you know the good, the bad, the you know the bits in between and you know I must say I've gained about an hour a day you know that, that I, I would walk to work normally and it's half hour into work and a half hour back so that's great you gain an hour a day it's, it's been lovely over summer I've spent it in the garden the garden's benefited from it but then by another token the lines blur you know there's not that the, the, actually the walk into work was really good it was a sort of you gear yourself up you gear yourself down at the end of the day there was an a, a, you know I'm, I'm not saying i don't check email outside of work hours i think i'm very guilty of that but but there was more of a barrier yeah no but well travel to work whether it's walking or getting on the bus or getting on a train it allowed people to to do what's called a role transition you know, you, you would transition from home to work or from work to home. And that buffer of time is you, has traditionally been quite helpful. I know it's time you could save if you're not travelling, but if you've had a stressful day in the office and you're walking home, that, that, that role transition, that time can allow you to decompress and think about, you know, like switch off from work, etc. Um, so travel time... I'm not saying we should all go back to commuting, but that the role transition that it allowed you had had its benefits. And because we're now living and working in the same place, the boundary between work and non-work is incredibly blurred. Especially if if you if you're constantly checking your email 
if you have your email on your smartphone, um, then you know it's you know for a lot of people the boundaries become almost eliminated. Yeah. You know, and that, that is not particularly healthy. That that puts a massive onus on us to manage that boundary, and it can be difficult if you got email on your phone and you're relaxing, watching Netflix, and you hear an email, your inclination might be to check it. Yeah. You know? Um, so it puts a big demand on us to to manage the boundary. So if you're not careful, you kind of slip in. It's been always on, effectively. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And the, you wake up in the morning, and you check your email. Or the last thing at night, you check your email. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So see, this, this is how we have to adapt, kind of moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about... This this is the immediate future. This is this is the changes that we see now, um, and I guess actually. So you 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 mentioned the you know this has been about since the nineteen seventies. You mentioned the energy crisis, and we've touched on transport here. I mean, this really this this move to homework now does this fit really in well with the idea that governments do want to encourage people to you know just commute less, use cars less, travel less. I mean, this is this something that's coming together quite neatly because of this, or well, the the impact on travel or, or public transport is is a contradictory there's i mean I, I can see good and bad and i have to to say i'm a um i i am a sort of um avid walker and cyclist and kind of fitness person so i i look at this from a sort of psych partly from a cycling point of view so there's there's been some positive things about reduced commuting time and um you know like government policy encouraging people to walk or to cycle to work and whatever, but there's a possible there's a possibility that public transport might be getting used less. Yeah, you know the the UK government effectively said to people, uh, only travel by public transport if it's necessary, and wear a mask, etc. So there's a possibility that when people start to really go back to the office they may commute by car rather than get the train or the bus. So, you know, I, I think we're not quite at that stage yet. I think despite Boris's encouragement to get people back to the office, I think a lot of people are still working at home. Yeah. Um, I saw some research about London and they're talking about central London and the central London economy is still really suffering because 30 40% of people are still working from home. And don't go to the office. So all the train companies, the sandwich companies, the, the Costa Coffees that used to provide, all these businesses are really struggling. Yeah. Um, um, so public transport may be under pressure and people may be reluctant to go back onto crowded tubes, etc. Even if they're wearing masks, that may be seen as something difficult. So we may see an increase in car-based commuting okay yeah no i take the point you're, you're in effectively your own safe bubble that you can control and yeah, a, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I totally take the point and, and incidentally yes you're I, yeah i see really what you mean about that the the impact on the the other economies the sandwich shops the the spending power that the employer the employee would have whilst they were in a central area um hmm, I, I can say from my own point of view that i've probably put more money in the weight of Jeff Bezos than I have previously. Yes, I mean, <laughs> me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. eBay, Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, yeah. Lockdown in say the nineteen eighties would have been a very different thing. Yeah, yeah. No. To 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 what it is now with with so much in the way of home deliveries for food and and access to you know shopping effectively online and getting delivered to your door the next no, day. No, yeah. I mean you 
Yeah, I mean, you can see there's, there's some, any companies that provide online services or that can deliver to the home have benefited during lockdown and any, any organisations which require you to go to a particular place um, have suffered, you know, so um, like streaming services like Netflix have done great, yeah. Amazon have done great, eBay has done great. Um, online shopping delivery has done great. The, the supermarkets have probably done okay, mm. um, but you know, like cafes, restaurants, which are hairdressing shops, mm. anything which requires you to go into a physical location has has been really suffering. Indeed. So uh, we're, we've we've been talking now for coming up for uh, twenty five minutes. Um, so maybe just 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 before we we sign off, what's the what's the much more longer term picture? What's the What's the, the thoughts for how work is going to change beyond what we can see just now? Um, to be honest, I mean, I can give you the, the academic compromise. It's, it's too early to tell. Yeah. Um, but I, <laughs> I do think the, the homeworking trend and the reduced travel trend um, will probably continue to some extent. There's a lot of people um, have realised that working from home is actually good and, you know, they can do their jobs quite effectively from home. So even when people start going back to the office, I think the... The percentage of people who who partially work at home will stay higher than it used to be. My my best friend lives in Bankery, which is which is fifteen miles from Aberdeen, and he works for Shell. And you know, I've been talking to him about you know since lockdown, he's been working from home, and he used to work in the big headquarters in Aberdeen. Uh, you know, and he's he's less willing to go back to the office now, and he, I think there's been a realization by Shell that, you know, maybe we don't need such a big office facility anymore. Um, and lots of employers are now starting to think, you know, um, maybe we don't need such big offices, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, home working and reduced office space, touchdown desks or hot desking might be the norm, you know, where you, you go in one day a week to the office and you don't have your own desk and you don't have your own office. Um, that would be my prediction. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I mean, Donald, this has been really interesting and obviously a very timely discussion as well, you know, given the, the whole current circumstance. So thanks very much for, for, you know, giving us your time. As I say, you know, we, we really hope that people will email in with questions. So if, if, if you've been inspired by this and you want to ask Donald anything, please email us at peru at abdn.ac.uk. So that's P-E-R-U at abdn.ac.uk. But in the meantime, Donald, Thanks very much, and um, ladies and gentlemen, hope to see you at the uh, next Cafe Connect. Okay. Thank you. Nice to talk. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. <laughs>